This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast. We are your study buddies for neonatology topics. I'm Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbo. Welcome. Welcome back, Dara. It's Dara and Cammie again, talking about strategies, kind of recalling what we've learned, bringing back all those memories, good and bad. For taking the boards. <laughs> yes. Um, we talked about setting the stage and we talked about active recall. But before we finish out and close out on active recall, I think the one thing I wanted to emphasize, I think we talked about it a bit already but really pay attention to your learning style, get a sense of how you are recalling things, what is making it easier for you, and reformat content that matches that style. You know, is it a table? Is it a mind map? Is it an annotated image? What is gonna, what is gonna trigger connections in your head so that when you're away from that material, you remember it and you can spit it back out? Great, great. Well, of those things that you just um, talked about, Kemi, what do you think works best for you? Um, it depended on the content. It's a great question. For me, for the congenital syndromes, obviously the image of a representative baby. It could even be a schematic. It didn't even have to be an actual image of a baby. It could be, It could have been a drawing someone had done in a review article. But I had to recognize that in Toto, and then I could break it down into the pieces and the different features. And then taking it from there, what I loved what we did was we said, okay, there are um, a set of conditions that are associated with a special uh, with a specific deformation of the ear. Right. And then we started to make connections to what other syndromes had similar features. Right. And so that when presented with a case, not only were we versed on how a specific entity presented, but we could also, if it was a second layer, third layer kind of question, and they'll say, oh, but this was ruled out. What other conditions should you be thinking of that presents with this feature? And we had those feature connections as well. Right. I love that you say that because I agree with you that when you're studying, you can sort of do it in a one-dimensional way where let's say, again, I'm going to focus on cardiology because I love cardiology, but let's say I learn about a lesion, hypoplastic left heart, and I read about it and I, um, I'm doing all of my active learning. I'm, I'm writing you know, down what I've, uh, I'm creating tables, whatever it is that I decide I'm talking to you, my partner, about the, the material. But then I think it's helpful to take one of those um, aspects of that lesion and reverse it. So cyanosis in a newborn, mm -hmm. what is that differential? So I'm thinking about that hypoplast in a couple of different ways. Right. And right. I, I think that really helps at the bedside too, because you don't, you're not typically, although maybe these days you are, but typically you're presented more with the symptom, the sign, the cyanosis, and you need to sort of think about what this baby could have based upon the findings that you see, 
rather than, okay, this baby has this diagnosis. Tell me about it. Right. So I, I think that's helpful too. Yeah. Totally agree with you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so sometimes you combine those sources, uh, those different ways. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Great. Um, I also think you need to match uh, studying with your life. <laughs> There's a ton of time that we don't even think about during the day that you can multitask. So you can listen to a podcast while you're in traffic or you're exercising. When you're on call, um, I find it uh, helpful to see, like if a nurse or a nurse practitioner wants to hear a short talk on a, a baby's diagnosis of a baby you just admitted, let's say, that could be really helpful to retain things. Um, a lot of us don't have big chunks of time to study, but short bursts of studying more frequently has actually been shown to be more effective than longer blocks of studying for the same amount of time. So don't feel bad if that's the approach you're taking because you'll get there. Um, and, and, and so that could also be helpful. Um, it could also I be, yeah, sorry. I was just saying, I think that short versus long bursts, I think that's important to know um, for sort of like my personality again. I like <laughs> to sit down and block hours or whatever a task I'm doing and just exhaust it, right, from A to Z, whatever it is. Um, but sometimes what's the downside of that? Th that time sometimes never seems to come. Mm -hmm. And so you keep delaying it. Mm -hmm. So I think if you're someone oh. like me and you hear, you know what? that five minute burst that, that actually works really well too. Yep. So if you want to do that between meetings, between getting called to the bedside or whatever, that's good. You're it's, it's not uh, a waste of time. If anything, it might actually be quite productive. Agreed. Agreed. Good. I'm glad I'm convincing you. That's great. <laughs> um, I, you could also be creative, right? You can record yourself teaching about a topic. You can play back the recording um, as long as you don't mind hearing yourself talk. So, you know, thinking of creative ways also um, can make it a as, as fun as possible in this process. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right. So, Cami, let's say now you've done a ton of studying um, on, let's say, a section. How do you know um, when you've studied a topic enough and it's time to move on? What advice would you give to listeners? Yeah, I, I think um, this evolved a bit with the study strategies and as we were doing it, but it became pretty clear what I needed to see to feel very comfortable about the topic. So I wanted to make sure I was, and so I would make a checklist. So for each section, I would make a checklist that I have tables for common abnormalities or sequences or timelines if it was developmental, um, that I had mind maps or connections and, and concept connections so I could see how one flew into, you know, or informed the next, that um, I could take a topic and I could play the why game and ask myself several levels of why why is there respiratory distress? Well, it could be this and this and this, but why? Oh, because this condition is associated, but why? And if I felt like it could really take the why train down three, four, five layers, then I felt comfortable that I, I had finished that section. I had a nice summary of the information and a visual format that that allowed me to have instant recall that I could study from. And I could explain each topic well. And so I would have that checklist. It would be the same checklist for every section. 
And once I could tick that off, I felt, okay, I, I think I've done well on this section. Let's <laughs> move on to the next one. Um, and so I had those objectives, you know, my, what are my study objectives for each topic? Great. Yeah. I think I did something very similar. Maybe we talked about it and that's why. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> but great. Excellent. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to nikupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at nikupodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.